Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So again, today is the second talk of three on the meaning of becoming. Um, and uh, in this one, uh, the Buddha's cousin Ananda asked for clarity on what he means by becoming. And of course, becoming is a, a central theme of the Dhamma. What are we going to become? And establish in right view, we will become awakened. Establish in wrong view, we will simply become further ignorant. And so it is in that context that the question is, answer, is asked and answered. On one occasion, Ananda went to the Buddha, bowed, and sat to one side. He was unsure of the meaning of becoming, and so asked the Buddha, Becoming, becoming, to what extent is there becoming? The Buddha replied, Ananda, if there were no karma ripening in the feeling property, would the feeling property even be noticed? Okay, a brief explanation of karma. Again, one of the most wildly misunderstood um, Buddhist teachings. Karma has nothing to do with any kind of um, universal behavior modification system of reward and punishment. Karma is not something that is um, imposed on us by any outside agency or force. Karma is simply the present moment unfolding of past intentional actions moderated by the present level of mindfulness, meaning if my mind is still rooted in wrong view, what is occurring in my life as a result of past intentional actions will be viewed from that wrong view. But if what's occurring right now is rooted in right view, then there is an opportunity for continued awakening, for becoming awakened. If not, the only opportunity is to become further ignorant. And so each and every moment has just one potential. It has the potential to either awaken or to continue our own ignorance. And that's where wise restraint comes, comes into play. And where do we practice wise restraint? At the sixth sense base within the five clinging aggregates. So it'll become a little bit more clear as this continues. If there were no karma ripening in the feeling property, would the feeling property even be noticed? No, wise teacher. In this way, karma is the field, consciousness the seed, and craving is the moisture. So that's how things unfold. It's not just something happen, happening to us. As a result of my wrong view and continued ignorance, I established this karmic field, which is, which is nourished by my own consciousness and Um, the direction is determined by craving. So it's this nice little package that the Buddha is describing right now for us. Conscious, karma is the field, consciousness the seed, craving the moisture. So if we change what we crave for through changing our consciousness, our ongoing thinking, then there's nothing left to continue this field of karma. And what does that mean? When karma is extinguished, when there's nothing left within me, as the Buddha would put it, to provoke further ignorance or provoke further karma, what's left is an awakened human being. 
The Buddha continues, the consciousness of human beings rooted in ignorance and bound by craving is established in wrong view. Established in wrong view, renewed becoming is produced. So as long as we're, we're stuck in or maintaining or clinging to a wrong view, we can only hope but to become further ignorant. You've heard me say that often, and it's because of clear sutras like this that I say that. It's up to us. If there is no karma ripening in the form property, would the form property be noticed? No, wise teacher. What the Buddha is re referring to is karma as the present moment reaction to what form feeling etc., the five clinging aggregates, are encountering. So if I've deepened my concentration and developed my right view to the point that in this moment I'm simply living life as it unfolds and not reacting to it in a self-centered, self-referential way, then there's no more karma ripening in this moment, is there? You could say very accurately that I've rooted out the, uh, rooted out the roots of karma by simply engaging in the Eightfold Path. So, so again, there's nothing left within me to provoke another moment rooted in ignorance. So the, Ananda's answer again was no wise teacher. In this way, karma is the field, consciousness the seed, and craving the moisture. The consciousness of human beings rooted in ignorance and bound by craving is established in wrong view. Established in wrong view, renewed becoming is produced. Again, the Buddha is emphasizing that point. If there is no karma ripening in the form, the formless property, would the formless property be noticed? Now, again, the Buddha is talking about actual and speculative dharmas. The formless property relates to the idea of nothingness or emptiness or establishing the self in some non-physical realm. That's Again, that's just rooted in ignorance. Would, would the formless property even be noticed? No, wise teacher. In, in other words, it wouldn't be, even become an issue within our dharma practice. In this way... Karma is a field, consciousness the seed, and craving the moisture. The consciousness of human beings rooted in ignorance is bound by craving and is established in wrong view. Established in wrong view, renewed becoming is produced in this moment. That's the end of the sutta. So, thank you. Uh, let me start with Ron because he asked the question. Ron, did that answer your question? Or did it resolve the issue you had? Rom? There we go. And now we're on. There we um, go. I was trying to kind of parse out this uh, this sutta, and I just kept on, like, by the time I was three sentences into the sutta, I'd forgotten what the first one was about. Um, and I'm realizing now that um, I was trying to answer Ananda's question, and the Buddha's not answering Ananda's question. Well, he is, but not in a not in a way that would seem direct. But when you look at it, it is because yeah, yeah. karma is becoming right, and he's um, so instead of explaining to Ananda what becoming is, uh, he's showing him where the roots of becoming lie. Yep. And um, that is, of course, a whole lot simpler. Yeah. Because now that we've seen 
where the roots of it lie in our, you know, the wrong conscious, wrong view in, in consciousness and in craving, um, then all there is to do is to apply the Eightfold Path. And we recognize our wrong view, we recognize our craving, and we recognize our, our false consciousness. And at that point, we simply abandon it. Yep. And there's the answer to the question. That's it. And in that way, it's, a, it's an indirect, direct answer, isn't it? Yeah. It's certainly not what Ananda was expecting or even what we might expect, but there it oh, is, no. you know. I can just, you know, when I read the first part, I can just hear his neck snap from, from going like, what? Yeah. Where are we going with this? Yeah. Uh, and and it, it resolves the issue directly. And it, it also, you know, the, the, um, the, the metaphor, if you will, of us being the farmer also yes. makes a direct point that what, what we, what we hold in mind and what we crave for or not will determine the, our karmic field. We can either bring it to cessation by John in meditation, not reacting to what's occurring and seeing things from right view in this moment, period. And it's, it's just that simple. It's just that direct. So thank you, Rama. That was it. You, 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 uh, you really nailed it. You, you know, you, you figured it out. <laughs> Thanks. Brett, how are you tonight? Good. Uh, good to be here. Good to see everybody. Um, yeah. Thanks for your teaching. It was a Pleasure. It's a nice and uh, straightforward um, uh, sutta, and uh, I could get my screen. Though. There you go. Uh, but it, I just feel that it was, uh, you know, it's, I, it's something I struggle with. If, if you're not holding you know, the clinging, the craving, just uh, sends me into a spiral a lot. So. Um, it, when I, you know, when I can hear this and be able to, what, what, the, what, the car, the karmic response, whatever you hold in mind is, uh, you, you come back to your breath and realize what you're doing. Um, yeah. You know, that's, that, that's the trick. So it was a, it's, it's so simple. Um, but you have to do it. Yeah. You have to do it. But, um, and it's, it, it it's important to understand that it, it's a common human problem to crave for and cling to ignorance. The reason why I say that is we can, we can get very, we can treat ourselves poorly by thinking, oh, here I am craving and clinging again, except that's the whole point. That's why we're doing this. So uh, when we recognize it, you know, we first have to recognize it before we can ab abandon it. And, it. and it's just like that. So I'm glad you joined us tonight, Brett. Good to be here. Thank you. David, how are you tonight? Hey, John. Good to hear you. I, I wonder if Ananda was giving him a leading question. Mm -hmm. Because here he sits with him every day. He can't possibly be imagining that becoming is like a goal or all this work is heading towards something. So I just wonder if it's part of just the teaching that somebody's got to ask a good question. Yeah. And maybe the answer isn't necessarily answering the what everyone wants to hear because 
every week we hear the answer. It's, the scene is only the scene. Uh, the, the emptiness yeah. teachings. Uh, and really that's what the teaching is, is at that point of contact, those aggregates are empty. So therefore, you could only become wise in understanding of them. So I just wonder if it's a device as, as well as him wondering. But thank oh, you for the teaching. Yeah, it, 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 great insight, David. It certainly could be, or at least it, it, at least it could be, it could have been preserved that way. You know, I mean, we, we, what, what I've written down, what we're reading, what I'm referring to, um, has been translated and retranslated at least three times that we know of, probably more. Um, and then I've done my own retranslation or restoration on it to put it in the right context. But it very well could have been, you know, just laying out the scenario for why the Buddha actually answered the question, that it was a leading question. So it's a really great insight. But it also shows a... Um, uh, what what David just said about uh, relating it also to emptiness, you see how these the three talks on shunyata on emptiness, the three on dukkha, and now the three on becoming, they're all intermeshed, aren't they? And they all fit together in a very um, skillful way. So thank, uh, thanks for mentioning that, David. It, it, it also brings uh, just a not personal. This is not me. This is my you know, this motto, this kind of like mantra that people have, but it really is all those teachings. It, it brings yeah. it to, to life that you know, this is not who I am. Yeah. And it's, a, and I guess that's the hard part that people can't release is that there's something special about their five aggregates. Yeah. And like, like we, uh, we learned, I think it was the Dukkha Sutta where the Buddha talks about we actually join with our stress and suffering. We join with our ignorance through creating an identity over it. And when, once I've created an identity, even if as a modern Buddhist practitioner, then I have to suffer all the tenets of whatever that, that particular modern Buddhist belief system is. Or I can simply practice what a Buddha taught um, without the um, extraneous and speculative attachments to it and simply awaken. But again, the Buddha's the Buddha's talking just as much to us as in in this modern time as he was during during his time. That there was the same kind of distractions, uh, the, the same kind of, if you will, competition for spiritual students. Uh, and again, I use that word "spiritual" uh, lightly and with a grain of salt. But that, again, even during the Buddha's time, there was what about doing it this way? What about doing that way? And even the the Buddha's reference to karma. Is completely contradictory to the modern, even uh, to the, the Buddha's, to the use of karma during the Buddha's time and, of course, today. So, again, great insight, David. Thank you. Julia, how are you tonight? Hello, hello John. Good evening. <laughs> it was a little bit I was a little delayed there. <laughs> um, I'm doing good. Let's see. Um, when I read this, of course, this reminds me of uh, "as you sow, so, so shall you reap." Mm. You know, it's it's the same. It's one of those those things that's kind of embedded in in, in all of us uh, 
from 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 childhood, right? Yeah. And so, um, also, I thought about it. I, I was looking through my note my notes, and I and I also thought about it as kind of like uh, dropping the pebble into the pond, and mm-hmm. the ripples of the pond is 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 the karma. That's yeah. That's what's created, and so um, if 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 we are um, if we cultivate in in our in our mind uh, an experience, let's say loving kindness, at that moment, then at that moment we experience loving kindness. But then it's conditioned in our in ourself. It's further conditioned, and so we experience it mm. again in, in the future. So that that's kind of like. Is that the right way of looking at karma? Is what I'm trying to say. Um, that it's 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 present right now, but it's also it can be present in the future. So if of course if if we're grasping and clinging to things, then that's what we're experiencing right now. We experience suffering, and it conditions our mind for a future time again to have that same repeated again. Is, that's karma. That's becoming. Yes. Yes, and you you bring up a really useful example of, of loving kindness. So in this moment, I could be full of loving kindness for myself and all other sentient beings, or I could be practicing loving kindness because I think that I'm. I'm I, we were talking earlier, Kevin. I think the most prevalent mental illness in this country, and maybe even the world, is a messiah complex. That's a that's a verifiable. <laughs> Um, psychiatric condition, and I think most of the world suffers from it. Um, we see it to to greater and lesser extent today. Um, and I won't mention names, but there's very, very wealthy people that suffer from it and feel that they should use their money to to impose their ideology on me, on us, rooted in their own messiah complex. They just think they're right, and that. So I I can practice loving kindness as an expression of being an awakened human being or I can practice loving kindness because I want to get to Buddhist heaven when I die and in that moment I'm deluded so that the same the same word is applying the same kind of internal process loving kindness is applying but what is my intention in being someone who practices loving kindness if it's to save others and save the world or to somehow gain the favor of the God, so when I die, I'll end up in some type of Buddhist heaven, um, I've lost my mind, haven't I? So it's, it's, a, it's a very, well, I was going to say it's a very fine line. It's not a fine line, but it can be a line that is lost based on what the subject is. So, again, most of modern Buddhism is, has to do with a conceptual way of marrying a certain practice and the rituals with that practice fitting my self-referential view of myself or i can discard all of that and simply be an awakened human human being excuse me who is naturally full of love and kindness all human beings are all human beings that are human beings are you know that's that's just a natural state you know and and even in that natural state you might express it differently yes julia it's not. It's neither bad, bad nor. Good. I mean, nor good. Yeah, it's that's just, right. It's just. It's just uh, the mind. The mindset of the of yep. of the of the person at the present at the present moment, and and it's con- it's their condition. Their condition. The response later on in the future. It, yep. It's because of how they behave right now. 
Exactly. They behave, if, they, if they behave from uh, an egoic or self-referential in such that manner, then that's what they, they will later on experience yep. in a further conditioned experience. If they, if they behave, uh, you know, in true loving kindness, like the Buddha, uh, then what they will reap is an enlightened state in the future. You yep. know, they will, they will, they will have, they will have that conditioned response in the future. It's just, it, the karma is just a conditioned response. It, that's what I, yep. that's what I was trying to explain. Yeah. Yes. You, you did a wonderful job of it too, Julia. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, John. Hey, Michael. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, I'm going to go with Noble Silence tonight. I'm just listening. I'm glad you, you joined us. Jane, how are you tonight? I'm fine, thank you. Um, I appreciate everything everybody said so far. Me too. And I really don't have anything to add, but um, thank you very much. I'm glad you joined us, Jane. Tim, how are you tonight? Good evening, everybody. Um, the main thing I, I take out of this is the importance of the quality of mind mm -hmm. um, mindfulness as it relates to karma because um, the, the thing that the Buddha says over and over again uh, the karma is the field um, and to what Julia said it's there, karma is there it's, it's this big field that's there all the time. And consciousness is the seed. The seed of what? The seed of ignorance. So if that craving is the moisture, if, if you start craving these things, you're feeding, you're, you're watering that seed of ignorance and it yeah. sprouts. Mm -hmm. So it's a wonderful visual, if you can imagine it, you know, that he's talking about. And that, that becoming is that... You know, whether it's form or formless, it doesn't matter. If it's coming from wrong view, it's going to spread, it's going to grow. Yep. And um, it's, even though it seems complex, when, you know, the Buddha had it, it really simplifies the concept of that specific idea of karma as it relates to dependent origination. I mean, we can really get in the weeds doing it with it but he just in this little sutta to me uh it, it really makes sense and maybe it's because of this wonderful book i read called the truth of happiness that i understand it much better now than i did last year um you know the the one thing that i i wanted to ask you, you about is when the buddha refers to the form property and the foremost property um, is that tangible and intangible? Does it matter? In other words, are, is it is it is it things that are grasped that you can grasp that are that are apparent and also things that are fabricated? Is that what he's talking about? Yeah, a great question. Form and formlessness refers. Um, the form property is the practical experience of my life. The formless property, very, you know, it's just a rather simplified, stop it, you bad dog. It's time to play. The formless property refers to any speculative self-establishment I might have in my mind. And the reason why the Buddha refers to, which is really, when you think about it, you could really say the formless property is included in the form property because that's where it's occurring. But it's, it, it is such a huge distraction during the Buddha's time and our time 
that we see it as two different ways. We, we see ourselves as having a physical human life and then depending on our belief system as having a non-physical, I, mean, I guess you can't call it a human life, but a, a continuation of life after the human life is over. And that causes you, whenever you think that way, to immediately leave your body and join the future. That's the formless. But it's really the same thing, isn't it? It's all occurring within, within the form property and the deluded mind. A, um, an awakened human being simply will not distract themselves that way because it's not what's occurring. An awakened human being lives a human life. And they, try, they do not try to live something that is impossible for a human being to live. It, again, this is the most practical, utterly practical teaching. In fact, it's an insistence by Siddhartha Gautama that if you want to have a human life, you have to let go of all, just to use the word, you have to let go of all that nonsense that takes you out of having a human life. You know? So I, I hope that helps, Tim. You bring up an important point. But, well, it, that does because that, that explanation really clarifies the rest of what the Buddha has talked about, uh, the consciousness of humans being rooted in ignorance, yeah. bound by craving, established in wrong view. That's almost, this is that process, it's close to almost like dependent origination here. Yeah. The process of, of, of this cycle of ignorance and becoming rebirth right on back. And once we understand that visual, or I understood this visual, the field and the seed and the moisture. If you starve that seed, you don't plant that seed, you stop that cycle. Yeah. And by abandoning it, like Ron was saying, abandoning it, recognizing it, and abandoning it. And Well, and you can look at it this way, too. They, they, there's another suit, the, the karma suit, the... The subtitle that I attach to that is it is acting to awaken because that that's that's really the the kind of what the Buddha is referring to in the best way to look at karma. It's up to me. So in my consciousness, the seed of my consciousness can either be um, supported by wrong view, or I don't know a better way to say that, born of wrong view, or the seed of my consciousness can be born of right view. And so depending on the view, depending on the seed that will determine what grows in my karmic field. And so it's a, it's a somewhat gradual process for most of us to start substituting thoughts that are rooted in right view for thoughts that are rooted in wrong view. And that's the ongoing process of incorporating the Eightfold Path too, isn't it? And again, for most of us, it's a gradual process. But over time, and every one of us has talked about this, we've noticed how our own behavior has moved away from less skillful behavior to more peaceful behavior, to, to, to behavior that is contributing to, to our own awakening and also contributing to the, the wellness of the people around us too. You know, so our karmic field is our personal field, but other people walk in that field too, don't they? You know, and that's something that we should hold in mind. So, thank you, Tim. Kevin, how are you tonight? Doing well, doing well. Nice to see everybody. Um, take noble silence. Thank you for the teaching, John. Thank you for joining tonight, and thanks for your help this afternoon. I appreciate it. Good evening, Josh. Hi, everybody. Thank you, John. My pleasure. I really, 
enjoyed what everybody has to say, and I'm I'm totally confused. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Are you getting a little less confused though as we go no. along? I'm 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 trying to grasp the concept. There's nothing good about karma, is there? Uh, there's nothing bad about it either. But, but it's un, undesirable because if you, anything that, that, uh, stems from wrong view is karma. It's a better way to say that though, instead of using the word undesirable would be, it, it, it's simply unskillful. It just means that there's more work to be done. But if we judge karma harshly, we're literally joining with it. We're attaching ourselves just to recognize in this in this the simple metaphor given here, karma is simply the field that that I'm growing right here and right now. So what do I want to grow? You know, do I want to grow weeds or do I want to grow roses? You know, that's up. It's up to me. What am I going to plant in my karmic field? And I'm talking about right here, right now, because that's the only time that I can plant anything. You can only plant roses if you have right you. Yep. But right view is not something that we cannot develop. In fact, it's it's the easiest thing we can develop because it's right in front of us. What is it? What is right view? Right view is knowing stress, knowing the origination of stress, knowing the cessation of stress, and knowing the eightfold path that leads to the cessation of stress. That's right view. Any human being can can do that, can't we? I mean, I think I don't think that's beyond anybody's uh, ability as long as they engage in right effort you know so you're well on your way to doing it um now what was the definition of karma though it, it was karma is the present moment unfolding of past intentional acts moderated by our present level of mindfulness meaning what i hold in mind so for instance it, it, julia gave a good example i'll give you another one it was my strong intention to teach a dhamma class today if something happened you know, there was a blackout and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I wouldn't take it personally. I wouldn't think, geez, the world's against me for being a Dhamma teacher. Don't people know how wonderful I am to be a Dhamma teacher? And why is the world working against, why is God against me and not letting me teach? That's all part of having a, a wrong, an intention rooted in wrong view. So my intention was to teach a class tonight. When seven o'clock rolled around, I sat down and did what my intention was. If I didn't form the intention, I wouldn't be here, would I? We can't do anything, we can't get up and walk out of the room without first forming the intention. Most intentions are benign, they're, not, they're neither here nor there, they're not good or bad. But some of them are. Some intentions are more um, significant than others. And so holding in mind the intention to recognize and abandon ignorance is the, is the right intentionality of the Eightfold Path. And that's what you're doing, Josh, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying to you. Pardon me? Intent has everything to do with it. Everything. I, years and years ago, I had this ongoing uh, discussion. In fact, Brett knows a guy, but I won't mention his name. Because he insisted that intention has nothing at all to do with Buddhism. And you just said it. Intention has everything to do with Buddhism. It is through right intention that we maintain our direction through the Eightfold Path. Wrong intention would be the opposite intention, wouldn't it be? To, to, to apply things or discard things or say, I don't like jhana meditation. I'm going to, I'm going to chant instead and still call it an eightfold path. It's not, you know, this is what we do. And this particular sutta, 
I think you'll find the Mula Sutta on Thursday uh, to be a complement to this too, even though it's really coming from a, another direction. But, um, That's very helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Anybody else have any questions on this? So I hope you can join on New Year's Eve, uh, but I will post the talk after that. Uh, and then Saturday, we're going to do the Nagara Sutta uh, based on Jen's uh, suggestion. I think it's a good one. It's a, it'll fit right in nicely. And then um, where are we at? I'm still deciding whether I'm going to start the Truth of Happiness next Tuesday and Thursday. Or I might just start it next Thursday and then start the Truth of Happiness on Saturday and I go on from there. But it'll all be in an email. I just haven't determined that yet. Uh, the info about our online retreat, I posted it today too. So you could take a look. That's linked on the homepage. Uh, the first weekend, first full week, the first weekend, nope. The second weekend in January, January 8th, 9th, and 10th will be that uh, our online retreat talk by uh, five and maybe six of us. There might be a surprise teacher. We'll see how that works out. Uh, I hope I see you on Thursday. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, and again, thank you all for your continued support. It, was, it means so much to me. Peace. Peace. Thank you, John. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.